There's a growing trend of men choosing to stay single. Relationships are expensive in terms of time, energy, and emotional bandwidth. And now there's so many easier ways to get those human needs met. But women still want relationships, and pair bonding is important for all of us to achieve that deep-rooted fulfillment. So what are we to do? There are things that individuals can do, individual women and individual men can do, to basically change the game and put it back in line with nature where it actually makes sense to be in relationships again. And I need to point out that I am a happily married man with a child, and I chose to settle down in what I could call the peak of bachelordom. So even though I chose this, I still felt the heavy trade-off, but it was worth it for me, and this is something I do believe, that it is more in line with nature to pair bond. This is what humans are supposed to do. So this episode has a dual message. The first part is for women. What a woman can do to change the game for a given man who might date her for, so it makes sense. Basically to make yourself more dateable. And secondly, it is for the guys, specifically the men with options, who maybe feel this natural urge to pair bond and be in a relationship, but this trade-off, this dilemma seems too heavy. I'm not going to convince anyone to be in a relationship. However, I hope I'll share some things that'll solve at least the internal dilemma for you. The first thing that all of us need to understand, there are two kinds of men and there are two kinds of women. Now, the two categories of how women categorize men, we hear about a lot more, right? There's the group of viable men, the, the men who get all the matches on Tinder, the men who most women would consider viable potential mates. And then there's the majority who just isn't. Now, how big that majority is, is different from woman to woman, but it's certainly a majority. Like there is no woman who sees a majority of men as good mate material. That's just not how women are wired. To the point where regardless of the woman's personality, how nice and egalitarian she means to be, how kind she means to be, that majority of men simply does not register as far as her ovaries are concerned, which is why you have the typical friend zone, which is why when you, when you hear the, your, your trope of a nice guy story of that guy who thinks that he's doing everything romantic, he's carrying her books, he's driving her places, he's doing all these things for her, and then he asks her out, she's surprised, right? And even a woman who tries really hard in this situation to be very kind to her, what she thought of as like a gay best friend, her ovaries are kind of laughing, right? Her ovaries are like, wait, what? You thought you could mate with me? Like, there is no way that was ever going to happen or even remotely possible. And of course, she'll say something like, oh, well, I just thought of you as a friend. We've heard this a million times. Because as far as her ovaries are concerned, she doesn't register the majority of men's sexuality at all. At best, she sees them as asexual, the typical friend zone, or at worst, like the creepy man on the subway, she'll see anything sexual from him as purely a threat, right? Like there's no way it is even remotely possible as a mating opportunity. So when a woman is perceiving that men these days just don't want to commit, she's actually only looking at that minority of men, that 10, 20% of men that she even sees as a potential candidate right? She's not seeing the 80% because truthfully, that 80% of guys that her ovaries have deemed as not even viable as a candidate, probably most of them would love to be in a relationship with her because by the nature of their category, they're probably thirsty for connection. Now, when you translate this over to male perception, obviously men don't think of themselves typically as fuckable versus unfuckable, but there are two kinds of men in their own perception, right? There's the men with options and there's the men not with options. That majority of men we're typically in scarcity it doesn't mean that they're incels, right? Obviously some are, but what defines this category of man in his own perception is that he doesn't have choice, right? He doesn't necessarily get to choose the women he wants to be with. He might not have 
multiple opportunities to choose who he wants to be with. So a lot of these guys, even the guys who do date some amount, who you know do have sexual intimacy some amounts, they're typically not having the experiences that they choose to have. They're basically taking what they can get. So for any man in this category, obviously the goal of all men's personal development is to get them into the other category, which is the elite minority. This elite minority, of course, are the men with options. They're the ones who actually have the luxury of choice. They have the luxury of categorizing women in different ways because they have multiple women to choose from in a sense, right? Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're dating around or sleeping around. Reality shows them that they have a choice of what women they want to be with. So the two categories, a man with options will place women in, typically subconsciously, is dateable or not dateable. And by this, I mean worthy of a committed relationship or a candidate for a committed relationship and simply not. Now, the big difference between the male categories and female categories is that a man will still sleep with women from that undateable majority. A man with options might spend a lot of time and energy giving attention and validation and going after the women that he's attracted to, but would never in a million years date. And here's where I really feel for women, because in the same way, when you think about nice guy syndrome for men, the idea being a boy is raised in a culture that rewards him for being a nice guy and doing all these things that gets him social approval, maybe even gets him, you know, validation from women, be it, you know, teachers and parents or even girls his age. We'll find out in puberty or later that these traits are just not attractive to women. In fact, they're kind of repulsive to women. In fact, some of these traits is actually the opposite of what turns women on and attracts women. It's a heartbreaking experience for a guy. In the same way that guys have the friend zone, many women are finding themselves in what people are now calling the sex zone, where they're part of that group where they're basically following all the things that got them positive feedback growing up, got them attention specifically from men finding that men want to give them a lot of attention, men want to sleep with them, men want to take them out on dates, men want to spend time with them, men will hit them up on social media, but they actually, by doing those things that they're getting rewarded from, they're actually disqualifying themselves from a relationship in the way that doing all the nice guy behaviors disqualifies you from being a sexual partner. And now there's two types of behavior that women in the 21st century are getting rewarded from socially that are actually disqualifying them. One is the overt sexual stuff, right? Nowadays, a woman can actually make a very lucrative career, especially if she's good looking, sharing herself on Instagram in, in a sexual fashion. Obviously, OnlyFans is even more of a, uh, an extreme example of this. But even just socially, right? Even if you're not online, there's certain social behaviors of being out there, basically being the type of woman that feminists have been driving young women to be that does not only get social validation from feminists and from culture as a whole, it actually gets attention for men, right? Just being overtly sexual. And the other category of traits are what we might in general refer to as masculine behavior, testosterone-driven behavior, whether it's being like hyper-career-focused, accomplishment-oriented, basically doing things in the world that gives you social validation across the board, right? Like a woman who puts aside family life to really focus on entrepreneurship or, or her corporate career to make a lot of money, you know, it is impressive, right? Even, even a hardcore misogynist can't help but being impressed by, say, a woman who builds a billion dollar company, right? It might even make him want to sleep with her, but it doesn't make, it doesn't inspire any man to be like, yeah, I want to have a baby with her. Yeah, I want to commit my resources to her. What both of these behaviors have in common is they are predicated on independence. Independence, which is something that our consumerist society drives all of us to, 
is the antithesis of relationship, is the antithesis of procreation, of family, which of course is the purpose of pair-bonded relationship. Because, you know, say a woman who's overtly sexual, who's having a lot of sexual partners, she has to be emotionally independent, right? Because she's not attaching herself to anyone. In fact, you know, for anyone to have a lot of partners, they have to maintain some sort of emotional boundary. They have to have their own perimeter. Why would a guy invest his emotional energy, his emotional bandwidth, but also perhaps his provisioning ability, you know, his money to someone who really doesn't need him and might leave for another guy at any moment, right? That's the, the obvious cuckolding idea. But the same goes for a woman who's super career oriented, who is created the means to be totally independent, right? The, you know, the feminist trope of the strong independent woman, it doesn't really leave room for a man. Because the thing is, if you want a man in your life, he needs to feel on a primal level that he is fulfilling some function. Or he has to feel like he's fulfilling some evolutionary purpose, whether you guys decide to have a family or, or have children or not. It's not the point because all of our emotions when it comes to relationship is driven towards procreation anyway. Because in the same way that there are certain traits that really light up a woman's body, that really make her see a given man as a potential mate, there are things that light up a man's commitment center, if you will. And the core of it is openness to interdependence, this space for him to be a man, this usefulness, right? It's not just that he's a pretty face with a good income that, you know, checks certain boxes. That is that there's a real need because, again, all of our feelings when it comes to intimacy evolved into us because of procreation. So whether or not you decide to have children, his reproductive instincts are searching for what woman is really worth me sticking around to raise a child with. So I realize this is a big ask of women. It seems like putting the cart before the horse putting yourself into an interdependent state to inspire a man's dependability to come out. Now, there's an even deeper piece to this, which is that when it comes to those men with options, most of them had to earn their way there, right? You could say a majority of the minority had to earn that spot, right? Now, now there, of course, is a group of guys who, you know, were just genetically blessed to be tall and good looking, and then also lucky to have the right kind of social upbringing that, you know, they weren't conditioned to have trauma around relationships or attachment. You know, they grew up without insecurities. So like all across the board, they were just naturally attractive and had options. Most of those guys, though, had to fight their way there. Most of those guys started in that bottom 80% and through following all the things that is the basis of men's personal development, you know, fought their way. Maybe they suffered. Maybe they spent a lot of time and energy and money learning how to be attractive and finally maybe later in their life after puberty, whether it's in their 20s or 30s or 40s, they learned how to be attractive, which for that kind of guy, which I do think is most men that women would find attractive, the majority of that minority, they have an extra reason to maybe not want to settle down for anyone, right? Because of the fact that they had to fight their way there. And I've heard this from a lot of guys, guys who have these options who are thinking about whether or not they should commit, whether they want a relationship. Some part of them maybe wants to be a father and have a family. But they look at the incentives, it's like, I could keep dating around, which is, you know, all plus and very little minus. Maybe the plus isn't that big and maybe it gets old, you know, going from casual fling to casual fling. But it is a positive with very little downside versus committing to someone with all of the expenditure that truthfully comes with any relationship, even a good relationship where you, you know, have to handle the woman's emotions, be there for her. Obviously, you actually have children or a committed relationship. There's just a lot of work involved. It's a hard sell on paper. It's a hard sell to men. But there is one thing that can basically overcome this 
on the woman's side, which is the idea of currency exchange, which I'm sure is not how any woman views relationship. But it is, I think, how inherently most men view anything they do, which is first, this idea of return on investment, right? The energy you put into anything, you want to get a better return. And this actually is, you know, one of the core ideas behind, you know, consumerist culture, everything being transactional. I have my issues and criticisms of it, but it is how, you know, anybody who grew up in the West inherently looks at anything they do, right? What do I get for what I give? Now, when it comes to a pure return on investment perspective, obviously any relationship is going to require work. And from any typical male's perspective, it's going to require a certain kind of burden that maybe women don't see as a burden, but that is being emotionally supportive, right? It is typically how women interact with each other. It is a common currency in the land of women. But for men, men typically get a bad exchange rate, so to speak. Men have a much smaller emotional bandwidth. It doesn't typically feel good. It typically takes a lot of effort to hold space for a woman having a really bad day. You know, and obviously, you know, a woman can change the return on investment, change the cost, so to speak, by, you know, how she communicates her bad feelings, whether she's like blaming the guy in her tone or simply sharing you know, that she's in need of support. But either way, right, and hopefully women are going for the better communication style. Either way, it tends to be a toll on men, right? It's not the way men communicate. It's not the currency most men are looking for, most grown, psychologically adult men. They're not looking for that, and it is a cost. So for him to give this kind of expensive currency away, you know, being there for a woman's emotions, he needs to be getting something back that is a currency he can't get anywhere else. So I'd actually summarize all of these concepts into one takeaway question for women, which is what are you bringing to his life that he cannot get anywhere else? Because there are some general things that men can only get from women that they can't get from their male friends. But there's also something, and this is the key of everything, that a man can only get in a committed relationship with a woman that's really good for him. And it's not the list of traits that most of us list when we think of a good partner, right? Yeah, it's great to be funny, it's great to be smart, it's great to have good conversations, it's great to have great sex, all of those things, right? But there's a specific something that really triggers a man's commitment center, if you will, where it's like, oh yeah, that, that I can only get from her. And it's hard to put it into a single word, but I'll say it relates to what fires up a man's creativity, what fires up his enthusiasm for life, what gives him a well of courage. It is an intangible thing, right? Because pretty much everything tangible, including sex, most men, specifically men with options, can get in many places, right? They can get it almost anywhere. But there's a specific something he can only get from a woman that he's in love with, those intangible things. Jerry Seinfeld has said that when a woman loves you, it feels like you can do anything. It's that kind of vigor, that kind of intangible quality that will inspire a man to give up all of his options, give up those net positive casual flings and relationships that don't really cost him anything to actually invest in a relationship, to actually take the trade off, give his commitment resources, spend his emotional bandwidth, which is so precious and typically scarce to a man, and be with a woman who's giving him those feelings that he can't get anywhere else. So finally, I want to say to the men, I know most of this video has been aimed at women, but hopefully useful for men too. The thing I would say to men who are men with options, who are in this situation, this dilemma where they're like, yeah, something in me wants to be in a relationship or maybe casual relating has gotten old. Maybe I want to have a family. I want to be a father. But man, it just doesn't make sense on paper. I would say you have to switch your operating system out of that consumerist mentality into recognizing what's really in our true nature.
it is really in our true nature not to be sleeping around in our 50s, although some guys might choose that, but to pair bonds, to see your life created together. Now, I realize not everyone wants to literally have children, but again, that is the point of everything. You know, there is some evolved characteristic to pair bond with someone and create life together. And that level of fulfillment, hopefully with various other positive traits that that special woman brings into your life, those positive qualities, does make it all worth it. So the shift, I would say, for a guy is to recognize that any relationship, even the best one, is going to cost you a lot, right? It is, especially if you have options in the dating world, it's going to cost you. You're giving, you know, it's a, it's a huge opportunity cost, especially if you feel like you've gone on a hero's journey to even have those options, to then throw them away. It's going to feel like a cost. It is. But there's also something, and I do think this is part of evolving as a man, moving to that later stage of life, as opposed to the consumerist idea of glorifying your adolescence forever. There's something you can only get from that special relationship. So as you approach dating, and again, I'm not trying to convince any guy to stop sleeping around and, and date one woman, but as you approach dating, just to have that in your mind of there is something more out there. There is something I can get from a committed relationship that I can't possibly get from everything else I'm doing. And with those mindsets, I hope we can move against culture in this way because it is natural to pair bond. It is part of deeper fulfillment. Culture might be moving in a bad way, but we each still have the choice of being in line with our individual natures when it comes to our own lives and also relationships. Goodbye.